Queen Mode Collective. Welcome to another episode of The Queen's Table. I'm Jax, your host and proud Queen Mode ambassador. Before we begin today's episode, we'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners and elders of the lands from which you are listening to this podcast. In this episode, we yarn with Lisa Fa'alafi. A proud Samoan Australian, Lisa's a performer, director, and the founder of Polytoxic and Hot Brown Honey. Lisa shares her stories from her childhood, her love for dance, and the impact her storytelling has on women. A beautiful, articulate, and very calming soul, Lisa's story inspires us all to embrace who we are and break down all the barriers. Queen Mode Collective. for being here with me and Queen Mode and our online platform Sanctum. Um, I'm a massive fan. Um, I think there's First Nations women from around the world who are fans of what you do and, and the way you tell your story. So I'm super grateful to be here with you. Um, how are you, firstly, let me ask? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good all considering, I think, with how the world is right now. Um, being a uh, I think very lucky the last few years to still be able to keep practicing my art. Um, so thinking of everyone else around the world who hasn't been able to. So um, yeah, interesting time to be navigating the world um, and in all our differences. You know, in Queensland here, obviously you're in Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we've had a very different experience to other people around the world. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a lot of perspective, I think, but I'm good. I'm in a good good frame of mind. <laughs> Bless you. Yeah, that's really good. It's really hard to be positive sometimes, but we just got to keep being positive, don't we? Um, but for all of those that don't know who you are and if, if they don't, no, um, <laughs> can you tell us uh, all our wonderful women from around the world who you are and where you're from? I mean, you said you lived in Brisbane, but where your family and lineage comes from? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, my name is Issa Falafi. I am of Samoan European descent. Um, my ancestors hail back from the villages Nibea and um, in Savai, Safune village. Um, yeah, I grew up on Yagara and Turbo country out at the switch. switch. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and I we I actually was born in New Zealand, but migrated over uh, when I was only two years old. So I've been in Australia since the seventies, um, navigating as a settler on what is stolen land. Um, yeah, and I I guess I guess a little bit about the work I make. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, well, I've been I've been a I grew up doing like cultural dance, and uh, I was our way, I guess, of my father trying to connect me to my ancestral roots in Samoa. So my love for dance came very early, and I think it sits inside about genes somewhat. Um, 
And yeah, I think that just, I just, it just grew for me. Like, you know, wanting to use my body to tell stories. And uh, I think as I grew older, I found more and more forms that were so exciting to me, which is why I think now I make, I guess like hybrid cross, cross genre work is because I can't decide to pick one <laughs> and like try to surround myself with lots of different art makers um, but primarily world first nations uh, women or femme presenting or femme identifying because I just feel like that's what I can contribute to the world is you know just mm. being able to share our stories and I love being around you know strong femme energy so um yeah, my, my work has sort of driven me into that. And, yeah, it's been quite a few years now and still going. So they say if you stay in 10 years, you're in, you're in for good. So I'm over 20 yet now, so I don't think I'm going anywhere. Killing it. Killing it, yeah. <laughs> so interesting because I had a very, very similar upbringing. Started in cultural dance and dance for me is my primary form. Like it's just something that I felt seeing. So I when you say that stuff, it really resonates with me for some reason. Oh, it's just so good. And and yeah, the connections you make in, in these sort of spaces is something that I, I also cherish a lot. But going back, you did say you grew up in the switch. Yeah. Um, what was that like? You know, I've been probably driven through Ipswich probably twice in my life. What what was growing up in the Ipswich like? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was sort of interesting, like, you know, being in a, like, mixed home, um, you know, and just, like, I didn't think of myself as any different when I was a kid. You don't until somebody starts pointing it out to you, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't really, it was, like, primary school was pretty crazy to me, even though I look back now and there were probably three kids of colour in the whole school, yeah. like, um, you know. But I was, I mean, I was going, I was around my my very large extended Samoan family so I guess I was you know getting that from being with them and also dancing but um it wasn't really till high school that you know it really kicked in and mm. you know I got I left a school because the the principal was racist essentially you know mm. so it was like oh all of that became much more evident as I hit high school and realized my place and you know, like realise what I had to navigate. Um, even as a, you know, as a mixed race person, there was a lot of baggage inside of that as well. Or baggage, maybe baggage is the wrong word, but a lot of navigating um, between worlds, I guess, um, and, and trying to figure that out. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I still, I had great, I had some great teachers. Like I went to Bandera State High School, which had lots of like a very big, um, Indigenous and Polynesian community so um, you know and my dance and theatre teachers were incredibly encouraging like of course we're all so talented it's <laughs> like you know they could see it and they just wanted yeah. to help you know yeah, yeah. Um, and I've always been you know like forcing my friends and cousins to do choreography with me so you know um yeah I, yeah yeah it's like come on come on we're gonna practice go practice um so yeah it was just it was I think having a, a couple of teachers that helped um like showed me some of the other forms to begin with that really excited me like because I love cultural dance and I still do but I just I knew that I just wanted to experience a whole bunch of things and they they helped with that and um yeah and I think you know it was 
convincing my dad was a different thing. Like, you know, it's like mm. he was he sort of studied accountancy and theology. <laughs> so it was just yeah. like, um, but, you know, I never really gave anybody an option that I was going to do anything else. So I was a bit of a hard head, you know. Yeah. And <laughs> what was the form, you know, you said culture death, what was the form? This is just for me and my what was the form that you led to after cultural dance what was a bit like what did you also feel so comfortable in oh well I think contemporary dance to begin with because I was like oh just like got to, I remember like doing this weird ass piece like I take <laughs> the music off the off the radio off some like um I don't know classical channel but it was all sort of strings and and I don't know, I remember like getting, like this might sound gross, but I got this heart from the butcher, like so it was this piece around like <laughs> death and whatever and threw it at the teacher. But it was just like this whole like other way of telling story, yeah. you know, that wasn't just sort of, it could be dark. And not that I make dark work now, but I think at that particular time I was like, you know, our cultural dance was beautiful and, mm. and we were doing those little bits of floor shows around Brisbane with our with our all our rallies but um it was much more entertaining and but yeah contemporary dance was just you know and I and I they introduced me to Alvin Ailey and I was just like what there's a brown person and they're moving like this and, um yeah so you know and that was that was it for me I think like I had I went I ended up I didn't go for dance course because I had no training in ballet or anything and there wasn't really a place for me like I I, I couldn't have applied to NASDAQ or you know so I um I ended up applying for the theatre degree and with the backtrack to the dance course so I managed to be in the dance course by year three um yeah it was interesting yeah this contemporary dance I think was and Sweet Honey and the Rock, one of my teachers took me to, to watch them and I was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. And so was it, you say you talk about your teachers and were they the, were they what you needed at that point when, in your youth or were there, were there strong, powerful women and you say you talk, you, you navigate towards that really strong femme energy, were there people in your life then that really helped you solidify your choices? Um, I don't think there were, like, I look now, like, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have, you know, like, I wasn't a big reader, so it wasn't like I was reading books from other amazing women of colour. Like, that just wasn't in my view at that point, you know. So I, and, and like, other than having some aunties that were fierce as hell, they were more to be feared most of the time. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, no, I, I really think, I think we were just, we were trying to make it up as we were going along. I didn't, I don't feel like I had any like real role models other than seeing these few bodies and, you know, we were just making it up and, and watching like MTV and, you know, copying every dance routine, Paula, Janet, MC Hammer, <laughs> you name it. You know, like it was a real, I guess those influences were coming from the States because where else could we see anyone that looked like us? Um, yeah. And it wasn't like New Zealand sort of stuff wasn't infiltrating Ipswich, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I wasn't, um, I now see a lot of people that were making incredible work in New Zealand at that time, but I just didn't have access to, you know. Yeah, that so, yeah. The, the teachers, I think, were, were even though they were two lovely white ladies, like yeah. they, you know, they, they could see, um, they just helped give 
options to look at and, you know, they were doing what good teachers do and inspiring their students, I think, yeah. So, so incredibly just crazy how much you and I have similar journeys. I remember being in a youth, I, did a, I was in a youth dance company, contemporary. Yeah. Um, they asked for a video interview and I was 14 and I can remember clear as day, they were like, what do you want to be when you grew up? And I said I wanted to be a backup dancer for Janet Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been one of my tickets. Because, you know, like that's all, you know, they had this world of their, what their, you know, possibilities were. And mine was like, it was yeah. like dance for Janet or don't dance at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, you know, you, you, you've gone on to, you know, create hot brown honey. Like when I saw hot brown honey, I, I think I almost died. It was just, and, and polytoxic as well. Um, can you tell me about these two companies and maybe the, the journey from one to the other or how they, yeah. how they're different or the same? Yeah. Um, I think, well, uh, polytoxic was, my first company that, that um, out of uni, uh, my cousin Fez, who has his own company now called Briefs, um, we were just like, what are you doing? And he's like half finished a theatre degree and I had finished mine. I was like, oh, I don't know, I just want to dance, but there's no way to dance. And so we just started like making, we did a film clip for one of our friends and, you know, had a bunch of arty mates who did like fashion parades and, you know, this is like a young emerging creators there. And so we just started making stuff. And, and thankfully there were organisations around um, like Ausdance, which is still around, Ausdance Queensland, but Youth Arts Queensland was around. Um, and we just went in there. I don't think any university gave me any pathways. They were just like, and bye. But um, afterwards, because I guess we were a little bit savvy in, and we, we just went and in there and, like, were in Ausdance all the time just going, can we use the photocopier? What do we do here? You know, like, we were just, like, little bugging them yeah. to, to support us, I guess, or what we or ask lots of questions, you know, mm. having had, tried to set up me. I'm really, like, I'm an introvert and I'm very shy, so it was a bit of a push. But, I mean, Fez was very charismatic and so he was able to you know bust through those meetings but yeah so those a few grants a few little gigs you know it just started to build and we were doing very much like contemporary pacifica work at that time um we did a collaboration with um oh, i can't remember their names it was that long ago it was over 20 years ago but uh, uh a guy from the torres Strait and ditch girl and we did like a mashup of our stuff you know we were just playing we were experimenting with our cultural moves and contemporary dance um and yeah we started just doing that you know little gigs here and there and eventually to where we made um our first work which was called Spiel postcards um which i guess is like it's funny that I look at my work, I look at that work and it was very vignette style and it was like lots of costume changes already. And I was like, we've essentially, I'm still making the same type of work. And that's, it's a bit of a reflection of like the um, Janet Jackson and watching film clips and like telling a story in three minutes. And it's like, I've just gone on to, to, to perpetuate that in a sense, you know, like we could never afford to make a film clip. There wasn't no iPhone, iPhone movie maker machine back then. So we made these little live, like film clips, essentially, or stories. Um, and I feel like 
that for the way we experimented with form then has just continued through. So yeah, we 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 made a bunch of works with that company. I, I still have that company now. Um, it's been you know we go to and fro with it. Uh, now it's now it's with uh, me and Leah Shelton who joined the company not long after we started, um, which has been interesting too. To like she's. Anglo-Australian and like trying to work out what that conversation is between someone like me and someone like her and then how do you make work um which is I think now we have we have the language for it. it's like oh we make intersectional work I didn't have that word like 20 years ago <laughs> you know I feel like I can now describe this process that we had back then which was really trying to work out like where we fit here in Australia like what what is our voice what is our language what is our yeah our way to communicate with each other um yeah and I think like hot brown honey just came out of like because originally when I set up polytoxic I was like I just I want to find other like Pacific artists let that are like me who want to do more contemporary stuff and I couldn't find any other than me and my cousin that was it I was like looking 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 and so we ended up just gathering a bunch of other multi-talented people from circus you know like just doing stuff together. So when I finally got to make HBH, I felt like that's what I always really wanted. I really wanted to have a collective of people brown faces like mine. Mm. And I love Leah, don't get me wrong. We have we still have a strong intersectional language of movement and creating together. But Hot Brown Honey was really, yeah, the moment to be able to really take that forward and you know it started off as a club night like yeah. like busty beats was hit me up first so it's her like it's her it's her vision first like she was like yeah there's so many like burlesque nights and da 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 and there's no brown people like should we just do one so, <laughs> you know and then when when we started it we're like oh, let's write this show properly let's just, let's just yeah i mean it's been such, a, such a journey <laughs> I mean, do you? Uh, I know I might sound like a bloody broken record, but do you like? Do you sometimes sit and understand the sort of impact a show like that has, or you know, someone like me, or like, how has that been to receive that sort of feedback of like, you know, I feel seen, or you know, that empowering feeling? How does that feel for you when you hear that? Oh, it's um, it's amazing. I, I. I don't think I really grasped the magnitude early on, you know, like I knew that what we were doing was sick, you know, like I was like, of course, we're all deadly. It's like, <laughs> we're just going to keep doing this. Uh, but, and I knew that, I knew that I wanted to see stuff like that, Yeah. but I didn't realise it, it, how much of an impact it would have on people and how much it would read universally across the world. Um, and that the only reason that really sinks in is because there's people every time coming to you to tell you, you know, and I was just like, oh, and because I am an introvert, I'm like all good on stage. And then it's like one-on-one, I'm like, oh, you know, but it's, it was so humbling and so like, you know, like, cause touring is hard as well. So like to have that constant reminder that it's not just a show, it's something that was like really impacting and, and inspiring people to like go and make work and like you know the amount of people that um just felt like they could do they could do work you know because I think because we 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 showed a, a style of work that anything goes mm -hmm. and so 
yeah, I don't know. It's and just having a bit of time away from it too. I'm like, oh, it's, it's just such an incredible journey, even the ups and downs for ourselves because it's big. But yeah, really, I, I I can't wait till we get it up again. I don't think it's over. No. <laughs> just having wait. a pause. I can't wait for the hot brown honey like retirement village. Like, you know, we yeah. just, you know, everyone just ends up there and we live a life of that. Like when we're older, you know, we don't have to. Oh, totally. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be, um, but, you know, and one of the major things that I'm just so like, so fascinated by is that, you know, a lot of your work and the themes is is about, you know, so-called Australia and, and stolen land and, and decolonising the way we think and move and and present works. I mean, what's that? What's that like for you? Like, because you know, moving here when you were two and and, and trying to figure out this land that I'm still trying to figure out as a First Nations woman of this country. It's, it's just it's just really hard. What made you want to bring that sort of that theme into your work? I think I think inherently we've always been doing it. We just weren't as sophisticated as. The, understanding what we were doing I think innately people of color we're drawn to you know like our stories are complex our 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 personal is political already Mm. in just presenting our stories so I think once I realized like once I had a bit more knowledge around exactly what we were doing I was like oh okay no wonder why I'm driven to do this yeah there's all this underlying story that's within me and my experience um yeah so and I feel like the more you know the more you know the more you can't go back to like I can't I can't make work that's not has hasn't got any some sort of social change in it now you know it's just like before I didn't realize I was doing it but now that I now that I really understand I'm just like I feel like our well my person not all arts people but I feel like my purpose is to use my art to potentially transform a mind or have a moment where they can reflect on someone else's experience for two seconds like it's powerful it's a powerful state to have so I'm just I'm I want to make the most of it like you know the opportunities that I'm given now because of hot brown honey and its success I don't want to I don't want to waste that, you know, which is why the last work that we just did at Brisbane Festival, Demolition, it was like, mm. oh, this has to be, this has to be next level, you know, like we have to just, I mean, it's shift this whole, I don't want to say we're proving ourselves or whatever because yeah. I don't think it's that, but, you know, navigating the arts industry is, you know, is pr- there's a lot of gatekeepers, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who, don't value our work and so I just we we wanted to not give them a choice (laughs) and it's powerful it's so powerful and you're right it's articulate and it's raw but it's clever and yeah all the things that when you're consuming it as a as an audience member it's just so you just I'm blown away by the bravery and, and that's inspiring because we aim to all do that through all our things, all the things in, in our emails, in our conversations, in our relationships or whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's super inspiring. And, and I do know, knowing some of your cast members and, and all the <laughs> one thing that I just love about 
Holly Toxic, Brown Honey, but all your companies that you've been, you just, you're so supportive of mums. And, you, you know, you, you, there isn't a, an other. It's, yes, mums are welcome, the bubs are welcome. And you do lots of things to support mums. I mean, why is that important to you? I mean, for me, it's such a hard conversation to have with arts companies. It's like, yeah, I'm a mum and I need yep. to bring them or, you know. It, yep, yep really hard like what what inspires you to do that well I think like I mean I'm not a mum but yeah. like I work I was you know Busty and I were working together and Hope has been part of the team since the get-go and they're both mums and I was just like so I was mirrored that straight away the struggle and then like as a leader of the company with Busty I was like well well we have to do this it's like your stories are just you're, you're they're integral to this show and so we have no choice but to make this happen so how are we going to do that and you know so and that for me became like it became something that I felt passionate about because I wanted to do the work I wanted them to be in it I didn't think it was fair that you know mums are not don't you know you're supposed to just fall off the face of the earth you know and, and not practice your arts career anymore and I was just like this is crap you know so, like, what can I do as an auntie? <laughs> you know, I'm not great at babysitting, but I am great at advocating. So, you know, like, I was just like, well, I'll have the arguments with the, you know, with the venues and we'll push for them to support. Most of the times they won't, but if they won't, then, well, I'll go and make some merch for us and, you know, and then we'll pedal that at the shows and that's going to pay for, yeah. you know, what we can do. So, like... Yeah, I'm a maker, I'm a doer, so that was my role and I still do that, you know, because I love making things. So I was like, oh, well, you know, and obsessively, like so I easily can churn out, you know, 100 pairs of earrings because I'm a bit obsessive like that. So I'm, it's, I'm perfect for the job, you know. <laughs> it's too similar now. Now I'm getting worried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and now we have our, like, we, we you know, we're trying to be clever with, like, little catchphrases that hashtags that stay in people's minds our one was the revolution cannot happen without childcare, and you know we pull on all the heart the heartstrings of our audience to remind them that mums are here and it's a, takes a village to you know like if you want to see more mums on stage then everybody needs to to value them and contribute so in our case it's like go outside and buy our merchandise right now you know <laughs> I'm so, gonna like, I'm gonna record your voice saying that, and every time I get into this <laughs> pickle or argument with an arts person, I'm like, here, listen to this. <laughs> this is my this is my advocacy agent, and she's saying, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so important. Um, it's so important because it's it's kind of like full circle as well. Like, because we want to bring kids into the space as well. Like, it's important for them, um, you know, me culturally as well as you know showing them confidence and, and expressing themselves and and I love that I love that kids can be around art yeah, and it's and that's what we did like you know we went everywhere with our parents we slept under the tables like you know it's like I don't you know this sort of like real white way of working or real capitalist way of working not to value that just 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 support the bare minimum so you can get your product and sell it onwards is just not good enough like it's you know especially theater we we are community builders we are like connectors we are you know 
a way like where we can have a conversation through without even having a conversation, mm. you know, like I just, the, the way in which art is not as valued, <laughs> you know, it's more valued as a product and then onto the next product. And, you know, I just think that, that I wish that that could change. I'm not sure <laughs> if that can, but we're doing everything in our power to like, you know, remind people. 100%. And is it, is it true, speaking of kids, that you did a hot brown honey for kids? As in a show? Yeah, a kid's version oh, of brown honey. Oh, we, oh, yeah, we did. We did too. I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, because we have booked for, oh, what's this festival in the UK? I can't remember what it's called now. Um, but, yeah, they wanted us to do a kid's show. I don't know, like, I don't know when we, we actually agreed to that, but <laughs> yeah, we, we pretty much took out all the swears and then took out the nudity and, you know, just... And, and changed one bit to have a little bit of Lion King instead of a really raunchy track. But, yeah, we pretty much presented it as it is, you know, essentially. And, yeah, it went down really well. I think we even won an award for doing it for that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we would, we've been talking about, a, a kid, uh, like, writing a kid's HPH show at some point, you know, what maybe in the years to come, but, yeah. With all that, yeah, when you have time. I always say that. Yeah. I have time. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I think that's awesome because I was wondering, I was like, I've seen Hot Brown Honey. Like how do they translate <laughs> to younger, a younger thing? But that's, but you did it. Like I think that's just. Yeah, I think the visual, you know, like a lot will probably go like that over the top of the kid's head, but it's a it's visual, visual enough yeah. that they could still enjoy it and the music is up and, yeah. I've just some of the parents might have been like, what? <laughs> but also heaps of parents like, you know, because we've also had lots of kids smuggled into our shows over the years. Like, you know, we we're at the door when, when everybody comes in, so we can spot them and we just have a chat with the parents. The parents are like, I've seen what you do. I want my parent, I want my kids here, you know. So yeah. so yeah, we've had lots of young, young fans, you know, over the years. Yeah. That's so good. I mean, but it's, you know, it's tough, like theatre, arts, we talk, we've talked about it, you know, today. The arts is tough. The arts is tough when you want to say something that's powerful. The arts is tough when you're a female, when you're a female of colour, when you come from a diverse background, all the things. What, for you, keeps you going? What, what, what just keeps motivating you? Um, I think I'm inherently just a maker and I love and it actually is what makes me the most happy is yeah. is creating whether that's a pair of earrings or a painting or whatever I just like I don't feel quite myself I mean I it, that could fall into feeling like you're product driven or you you know like this but I do feel like I just have always been like that whether it's like cutting up every magazine in the house or you know making my the, the girls from the street down you know down the road make up a dance it's just it's what makes me really happy is making. So for me, it's like balancing the times when I don't have that. <laughs> it's like, you know, making sure that I still feel good. And I think the older I've got, and COVID in particular, the, the stopping of touring, which is was a lot <laughs> for the last six years, mm. um, just reconnecting with nature and just being outside and, and I've got two, I've got a niece and a nephew now. So I didn't have any little kids around me up until, you know, the last few years. So I've 
realize now I actually realized a little bit of what it might be like a parent because as soon as they were born I was like uh, so protective you know I was like oh right this is what it is hey you know and like I only got my small auntie version of that but um yeah so focus on family focus on just being outside and swimming and mm. I think they help balance me now yeah and good combos like this yes oh this is therapy for me yeah. <laughs> I walk away feeling you know all the endorphins everything I just go yeah um I have one more question and then I'm going to do quick fire just for fun but um yeah. what's next oh. what can I buy tickets to what oh nothing yet <laughs> well we're on we're on the cell now like so we just completed demolition which was our biggest show we've ever made scale wise um and we really are purposely built it that big because we want to take up some of that space in our community because I think that we our stories deserve high production values. <laughs> and so we're gonna we're testing whether that is gonna be possible to break through the gatekeepers. But you know, it is a it is a time where our stories it's are being valued more. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, so we're trying our hardest to on sell that. So that's, you know, as a producer, as well as a art maker, um, there's a lot of admin. So that's where we currently are. Um, you know, Demolition took almost a year full time for me and Leah to make. Wow. And then um, so we're also a bit like, oh, you know, creatively just have a breath. Yeah. Um, but our relationship with Brisbane Festival, hopefully we'll have present something else in next year's Brisbane Brisbane Festival, hopefully. Um, we don't know exactly what that is yet and it probably won't be the size of Demolition, maybe come back smaller again, take a, you know, make a smaller work. But, um, yeah, nothing. Well, and hopefully HBH, we might get up and running um, next year now that the world is, well, I'm not sure what the world is doing, but I'm going to look at it again. <laughs> yeah. I'd be very excited. Um, yay. That's exciting. No, it's really good to take a break. There's nothing to say. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't realise I needed it so much, but I did. Practising that that gratitude, huh? It's so, yeah. oh, the world's falling apart, but actually. Yeah. <laughs> and just coming back to self. Like, I just went yeah. back. I've been training. Like, what is that? <laughs> you know, a bit of Pilates. This is good. So I feel really good about in my body, which is like, I think I just needed that break to... You know, you know, as a dancer and, oh. like, the older you get, the more maintenance you need to do. I think I was right on the edge of maybe hurting, hurting myself. So I think it's just a minute to recalibrate back in the body. Yeah, so that's Mate. good. Yeah. So good. We have to, we'll have to go to a dance class together just for fun. Just for yeah, fun. totally. I'd love that. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm definitely not wearing a leotard, but I'll wear <laughs> It's like gives me trauma from my uni days. Anyway. Um, <laughs> um, okay, I've got quick fire questions. So whatever yeah. comes to your brain first. Real quick, easy ones. But what's your pet peeve in theatre or performing arts? Pet peeve. Pet peeve. Oh, um, marketing. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Yeah, totally. Every single time. It's like just use the words that we want to use for our work. Don't make it sound boring. Preach. <laughs> preach, preach, preach. Um, okay, number two, best live performance you've ever seen? Doesn't ever seen. Matter, doesn't matter what form, but 
Best live performance you've ever seen? Um, 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 oh, I don't know. Oh, I'm so crap at this. Um, I mean, I eventually saw Missy Elliott, so, like, that was pretty good. It was way back, but I was like, you know, it inherently has influenced my work continuously. So, all hail Missy has a star on the... I was about to say, she just got a star. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, Get yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, 100%. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good. I like that one. Okay, this is really hard because I, I struggle with this question, but what's your favourite song of all time? Song. Oh, oh, I'm the worst. You can't ask me this because you know why? I never know. I never really know lyrics of songs. I only just hear the beat or hear the bass. Like I don't hear lyrics much and I don't. Wow. <laughs> and I never remember who sings anything. <laughs> That's, okay. That's okay. You can drop the beat and I'll try and guess. This could be like yeah, trippy. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> At least. Um, no, but I do like, I always love Roberta Flack. Wow. Mm. Yes, that's so good because I'm going to go put something on. I'm always like, what can I put on now? now." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm all about the slow jam. It's terrible. I'm such a... Oh, no, like, I have to... I mean, now they have Spotify and I've sort of figured out how to work it. It's like, (laughs) oh, yeah, just 90s R&B. And I'm like, I know it's all so bad lyrically. It's all so bad. But I'm just like, this is my jam still. (laughs) 100%. 100%. Um, okay. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Um, to maybe not be as afraid. <laughs> yeah. Because I think I'm pretty good at putting a front on, but just like, yeah, don't be afraid. You got this vibe. Yes. Yeah. I just changed my Instagram picture to you got this like yesterday. How? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good, it's a good reminder. Yeah. We're used to undervaluing that in ourselves sometimes. Yeah. And believing it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a journey. There's another podcast or another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are your, last one, what are your hope for the future? Uh, I just, I just hope that we really are on the precipice of some sort of change. You know, our climate is calling it. Our people are calling it. It's like. I know it still seems so far away. I'm like, I just want a future for your kids, like my niece and nephew. That's my hope. My hope is that somebody up there can help shift this a bit more. Yeah. I think we're all trying our hardest in all our different ways. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. So hard when we we work so hard doing all the things and then you look across the table and... um, They're just the weakest link, you know, with the most power. It's it's heartbreaking. And I feel there's a shift coming, you know. Coming. (laughs) Coming. I just see all these people on the street and, you know, Melbourne and I'm just like, this is coming, you know, like we've been protesting for years, but yeah, it's now to people are speaking up for themselves. They believe in, yeah, totally, yeah. But honestly, I'm so grateful for the yarn today, sis. Um, oh, no, me too. I can't wait to see you again and 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 watch you do your thing and tell your story. Um, I yeah, I just inspired by makers and makers with soul and heart and, and a story to tell. So yeah, I'm, I'm so I just wishing you all the strength and, and creativity and all the 
good vibes and all the things that you you don't need but is helpful and yeah. a helpful addition for whatever you make and choose to do like um soon okay yeah totally <laughs> it's like let's go do that dance club 90s hip hop let's go let's go you know i think about this all the time um i'm gonna like i was like every i'm gonna hire at the local hall and put on a 90s like uh r&b hip-hop backup dance class just for fun yes Fitness. okay and how many, like how many aunties but I, you know how many aunties will come to that and just yes. like <laughs> we can all do a peter andre body roll for 40 oh, totally. <laughs> we could do that okay now we're manifesting Let's yeah, yeah, totally. All right. All okay. right. Thank you so much. It's lovely talking to you. You help. I feel great today. So thank you. Let's go and have a good day. Yes. All right. All the best, my sister. Thank you. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and would love to hear more inspirational stories, consider joining QM Sanctum. This is our virtual home, membership space and community filled with passionate people also dedicated to the personal development of First Nations women. We'd love to connect with you on there. Also remember to subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been a pleasure as always and we'll catch you on the next one. We more collected.